This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. To the highway, in a brand new day, gotta let it go. Gate for June 15th, 2021. We are members of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. You can find us on the Voices of Wrestling feed, or you can find us on our own dedicated podcast feed on all podcast platforms applications. You can follow us on Twitter at OpenVoiceGate. If you'd like to donate to the show, just click the link in the show notes. It'll take you to our redcircle.com landing site. You click the red box that says sponsor this podcast, and you can do a one-time or recurring donation no obligation whatsoever but we would like to thank all of our previous donors i'm one of your hosts it's your old pal and mike spears joins always by my co-host and friend case low and case we we got to go to kunamoto this week but other than that kind of a quiet week for inside the ring interesting stuff going on outside very quiet week inside the ring. Very quiet introduction from Mike Spears today. The dulcet tones whispering into the microphone here on Open the Voice Gate. I, it's a nice change of pace as I kind of uh, go bowl in a china shop here at the opening in- introduction. But I like it. I'm here. We got to see a, a show from a venue that has never made tape before in Dragon Gate. I thought it was a pretty fun show. We're going to talk about Nozawa, which I know Mike Spears is looking forward to. Mike Spears, the only man that tells it like it is when it comes to Nozawa wrong guy. You know, I say Mike Spears has a lot in common with your with your comedy seller type crowd, with your New York comedians, guys, fellas that aren't afraid to go there. Mike Spears is one of those guys, and in particular, he really sinks his teeth into the topic that is Nozawa wrong guy. I feel like, and this will date me, I feel like this is when we need to have that dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. Just like I'm going to be Bill Maher. You know, that that was... The, the, I, I was really leaping for it there. All right. Well, I, I'm just going to come out and, and say this. Case, I, I don't believe that Elliot Smith died by his own hand. Yeah, no, I. that's a very good way to start this Gate-centric podcast. Let's, let's, let's just talk, get going Let's talk about this. Elliot Smith for a second. Obviously, I was on Zoloft in high school. I did listen to a lot of Elliot Smith that persisted into college. I, uh, when it comes to Elliot Smith, you know, I like most of the catalog. I don't know if it's if it's maybe a hot take or not. I've always preferred EXO to either or. Honestly, I probably prefer figure eight to either or. I think I would go EXO, figure eight, either or. And then, you know, self-titled a Roman candle somewhere down the line. Do I think Elliot Smith killed himself? Uh, look, I'd certainly listen to 
a topic of conversation that led me elsewhere, I would certainly like to hear what other people have to say on this matter. So, backstory here. Uh, Case, as you are the biggest gamer I know, it's E3. (laughs) It's when they announce all the games. And because they have to, like, make everything into hitting all quadrants, you know, just doing everything and anything. Uh, the open the opening of E3 this year case was Weezer. And look, would it surprise you that Weezer has a new album that they're promoting right now? Well, it, it would not surprise me. Uh, obviously you don't have to explain E3 to me. I love video games. I can't get enough of the stuff. I definitely don't just buy the new copy of 2k every year and then play franchise mode for nine months and then wait for the new game to come out no i'm definitely super into all types of video games uh and in 2021 you would be amazed at how close of an eye i keep on weezer i don't necessarily like what they're doing but i am definitely aware of what they're doing so my check-ins as someone from the generation that came about when weezer like when blue album came out like yeah do do you remember like like weezer hitting your life because for me weezer's just been a constant my entire life yeah you you see like that's that's like the real generation between uh the millennials and zoomers right there because so blue album i would have been eight of course it did not come my life there however in high school in the year 2000 what's an album that came out in 2001 that's right, the Green Album. So, boy, did I live through Weezer's reemergence. But I can denote my life with being able to say that part of my life was before Weezer and part of my life was in the days of Weezer. I grew up with, like, post-prime Weezer. The first Weezer song I knew was Beverly Hills. And then I think Pork and Beans would have come out like the year after that. And I will defend Pork and Beans, the music video and the song. That's good shit. I don't want to hear otherwise. And then soon. Make Believe was not a bad album. Not a bad bad album. You know, you have to deal with Beverly Hills for what it is. It's obviously not my favorite thing they've ever done, but I also find it to be perfectly inoffensive. I do like the single We Are All on Drugs from that album. Uh, I, I enjoy that. That has a music video to it. Not bad the rest of the album can't say i'm super familiar with it again i'm a little bit more familiar with what they did on the red album which was carried by pork and beans and then from there i would rewind in time hit the blue album hard still think my god what a sickeningly good album the blue album is and obviously uh you know as someone that is really into hikaru shida's social media I find a lot of Pinkerton to be very relatable. It's good stuff. I like it. It's a great album. And I will also mention, Mike, are are you familiar at all with Weezer's White Album released in 2016? I am because I was the one that they decided they really wanted to go crazy into being a California Beach Boys band. And it turns out they're really good at that. That is the last great Weezer album to me. I hated the covers album they did, I don't like the original Africa by Toto. I certainly oh, don't man. like Africa by Weezer. I hated, I hated that that took over pop culture the way it did. That sucked so much. But I, look, I have a soft spot for Weezer. Uh, okay, so Weezer did the opening thing, doing what new song, they have a video game being made. And I was just struck because Rivers Cuomo is a guy who, 
he will he he, he kind of goes by the beat of his, his own drum if you're like hey rivers we need some uh some wacky thing for for weezer's next like purple album he's already there well like he's already there but let me see a case have you seen rivers cuomo recently uh yes i have uh again I'm keeping I'm keeping tabs on Weezer in 2021. Not many people are, but I kind of know what's going on with them. To be fair, Rivers Cuomo is someone that you want to keep tabs on just because we should just be appraised of what he's up to because he should be on a list somewhere. But so to to, to bring this around back, case the reason why I, I I I while watching this one E3 thing and being. And, and have been, and being assaulted by my eardrums by Weezer in 2021, I I put out a tweet. I'm gonna try to pull up this exact tweet so I could say it. I I had a very strong tweet week last week. What can I say? <laughs> Mike kind of went viral last week. Let's get it out of the open. Mike kind of killed it on Twitter. Yeah. So each time I each time I see Modern Rivers Cuomo, I believe in the conspiracy that he had a hand in Elliot Smith's death. So case. You are I, I you might be familiar with this. You you do know that when Elliot Smith was found dead, that the only witness in person in his apartment at the time was his girlfriend, right? That I know, yes. Yeah. This girlfriend, if you listen to people close to this to Elliot Smith, was like the, the it, it it's unfair doing the, the, the obligatory, like, oh, John Lennon Yoko thing because because she I I believe she is she's Asian American Pacific Islander she might actually be Japanese so it's kind of it's racist if you, if you that's where you can go to for this but so the big thing is with this ex girlfriend or this girlfriend did she kill uh uh Elliot Smith interesting thing about her her ex boyfriend and the and the way that it all connects with this Rivers Cuomo who was writing and did music of with this ex-girlfriend well after the death of Elliot Smith. And one of the albums never got released case, one of the alone albums, was the, the was supposed to be like this big like music rock opera, which is kind of became come a thing in Weezer kind of fandom. Uh one of the characters in the, this rock opera, it's called Black Songs from the Black Hole. One of the characters was was based off of this ex-girlfriend. Okay, yeah, I'm vaguely familiar with this. I I what whatever this woman has done in her life being associated with both Elliot Smith and Rivers Cuomo, I hope she has a good therapist. Yeah, yeah. So so like I I love conspiracy theories just just in general. It's just one of those things that I I I, I took a class on the JFK assassination in college. It's one of those things I'm into. And it, and when I, I I listen to a podcast that talks about some of like the seedier side of Hollywood, and there was an episode all about Elliot Smith that they spent about fifteen minutes talking about how the host thought that Rivers Cuomo and the and it, the woman's name is Jennifer Chiba uh, that Rivers and Jennifer Chiba uh, attacked and killed uh, Elliot Smith. Please tweet at us at Open Voicegate with your favorite Elliot Smith album. Would love to hear from our listeners on that. <laughs> Speaking of the the Gen Z versus Millennials divide, Mike, I, you are obviously a member of the Voices of Wrestling Slack, and I believe you're at least subscribed to the Jams channel where we discuss music, but you're not super active in there. So I'm curious if you were at all familiar with the woman known as Phoebe Bridgers. 
Uh, I, I'm aware of Phoebe Bridgers, yes. All right, I, okay, would you would you say you're a fan? Are you familiar with her music? Because her most recent album that she put out basically a year ago, uh, as, we're, as we're speaking, Punisher, in part a tribute to Elliot Smith and an album that I would very much recommend. I... Is it, indie folk and like that kind of music it goes pretty doesn't necessarily go for me but uh from what i've seen what i've listened to of uh, phoebe bridgers i've really liked she is uh, among the art school crowd and i am now an art school graduate so perhaps my finger is off the pulse uh, even now with the way you, you, you lose the pulse near immediately as an art school graduate. yeah yeah very much so but i will say in my four years at the art school that i went to hard to find an artist more universally beloved than phoebe bridgers it seemed like you know the punk kids were into her the art kids were into her the kids that liked acid were into her kids that were really depressed were into her there every archetype you could possibly fill in about an art school there was one common thread that linked us all together and that was going damn phoebe bridgers is really good isn't she <laughs> I, I you know i mean that was vampire weekend when i was in high yes, when I was in college. okay yes uh yeah i I, you know, Vampire Weekend's first record is fucking phenomenal. I'll drop an F-bomb there and say Vampire's Weekend, Vampire Weekend, their first album, is fucking phenomenal. I largely tune out after that. Yeah, you're better off. I mean, I mean, Vampire Weekend and Contra was was decent as well. But after a certain point, like Modern Vampires of the City, I, I can't tell you that if I've listened to either of their 2013 or, 2020, or their 2019 stuff like people I love to, like, them Vampire critically Weekend acclaimed critically acclaimed people love them uh, speaking of of new york rock and roll i don't know if you saw the pictures of aoc at the strokes and john mulaney gig in new york this past weekend but i'll be damned if that doesn't sound like some fan fiction i would write or i bump into <laughs> aoc at a strokes and john mulaney gig and hit her with hey you come here often and then all of a sudden working class power in the streets working class power elsewhere good to talk to you mike spears this is the open the voice gate podcast <laughs> as i'm just like groaning going like <laughs> all right cases hit uh cases hit coastal elite in rapid pace after college less than two weeks and he's already just losing his mind now he's going to be talking about sweet greens next i i, I apologize to all of our non-coastal listeners i apologize to all of our listeners so so i guess we should get into this show okay <laughs> yeah i guess the, the, the issue is this genki horiguchi homecoming show that we're about to talk about a good show unfortunately yeah. not great and also not bad uh just a very palatable two-hour five-match card where at the end of it i went that was a show there were five matches what am i gonna talk about with mike yeah yeah so we knew this was coming. We had a feeling this was coming back on the schedule. So, like, oh, it's a homecoming show. Usually, there's something to kind of sink our teeth into. They really didn't have anything here with the Kinky Horiguchi homecoming show. They didn't have like the idea of the, the the fabled Nara homecoming shows for Naruki Doi, or the idea that this is the farewell to Masadi Yoshino. So, didn't really have that there, and we were left with five. Uh, average to very good matches and probably like the the one dragon gate show of recent vintage i'd say is absolutely skippable yeah i, I mean there's uh, you know a, a few notes on here i i think uh kota umeda who was in the opener i thought he was interesting there was stuff i liked on the show again very easy watch and i thought the main event was 
encroaching on being a notebook match. I didn't end up going there, but yeah, there's, you know, some stuff that I would not deem essential on this show. Yeah, yeah. So let's just start from the opener and and go from there. The opener had Kota Umeda teaming with UT and Yosuke San Maria versus Don Fuji, Ryo Saito, and Benkei. Benkei got the win on Maria with the spear in 13 minutes and 28 seconds, which was the second longest match on the show. Nothing with the... Actually, no, the semi-main event went 14. So nothing around this show except for the main event went above 15 minutes. Let me ask you first, what did you think of the way this venue looked on camera? The, uh, what was the name of this venue? The Kumamoto Castle Hall. What do you think about this? Oh, I didn't know it was, this was a castle hall. <laughs> I didn't know this was like Osaka Joe. Okay. <laughs> uh, I thought it looked fine on, I, they must have, when they did the show with Lupin Matsutani a couple of years back, they must have gone to a different, it must have been a different building in Kumamoto because I thought this one, Looks cool. I mean, it had it all set up the way I like where the hard cam can see both entranceways and the the crowd was really engaged. So, I mean, those were two things there. It looked like it was a smaller venue. I would say that, that that's like my big t- takeaway is it was dark and it seemed smaller than their usual venues. Yeah, 210 was the attendance here. I don't know to what uh, capacity restrictions this venue had. I'll say, though, thought it looked great on camera. Much more aesthetically pleasing than the Hokkaido venue they've been running. I thought it looked on the same level as where they're running in Fukuoka now. So I, I was a little surprised that we haven't seen this venue taped in some capacity before, just because I thought it looked really nice. It almost it almost looked like wrestling in a black box theater, which can sound like an insult, yeah. but I thought it looked really good here. Yeah, no, it, it that's a good way of putting it because it was all attention on the ring. It was just like kind of a nice setup there. Kunamoto. It makes sense why it doesn't because it this is actually on Kyushu Island case. Has a population of seven hundred thousand people. My goodness. So and so this is a kind of small place. But yeah, no, it had like a nice vibe to it. It did kind of like do you remember like the times like when they would not have any of the around lights on at star lanes and you just have the spotlight on the ring and then like the entrance lights. Yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. kind of reminded me of yeah that's that's if that's that a good sense. point yeah and i like this opener koto umeda is a guy that i i obviously wish he was wrestling more i i have down i would like to see him and ben k on some sleazy godforsaken produce show have a singles <laughs> match like take whatever j stage is and then just bring down the prestige and the luster to an extreme degree. Like I want something lower and sleazier than J stage. I don't think you could run in Shinkaba first ring with this promotion. I think you have to run that basement venue and then oh, basement monster. Yeah. Which is a, a great looking venue uh, when it's not a pandemic because that, that place is so, so small. There's literally no way to social distance and have a wrestling ring in that building, but throw Ben K and Umeda in there. And I think you've got a hot little singles match. Cause I like their chemistry a lot. This was just a good opener for Ben K. Cause he, I, I liked what he was doing with Umeda. They traded strikes well. And then he and Maria had the exact type of finishing stretch that you would want with Maria getting a few near falls on Ben K and then Ben K spearing her basically out of her boots for the win. Yeah, I thought Benkei looked awesome here. I thought Umeda had a nice open. I thought Umeda looked like that's always kind of the thing is seeing if the 
outsider looks out of place. I didn't made it look good. But yeah, no, this absolutely was kind of the Ben show. Ben looked pretty uh, much on there. Not much shenanigans, especially considering that it's Rio Saito and Maria in the opener. And it just was, it was one of those things that when this match went as long as it did, I was like, oh, they really have no filler on the show. We're going to get a whole lot of matches there. But I thought that everyone looked pretty decent. And yeah, Kota Umeda come around more often it was good seeing you Uh, you've got something that does not offend me on these dragon gate shows have you seen the pictures of ben k recently on referee nakagawa's twitter account there's a lot of ben k K in the wilderness ben k all alone gazing out into the open fields it's very dramatic i I'm a little just not worried about Ben K, but this man has been through a lot in the last 18 months, and he has now taken up the dramatic photography stage on the emotional spectrum, and that is a little worrisome. Yeah, no, no Ben's not someone I really want to get into a dark room. I, I, I you, you know, I, I don't see him necessarily as necessarily a musically inclined person. So. No, not exactly the Elliot Smith type, uh, Ben no, K. No, not no. exactly the art school type. No, no, no. Imagine if he showed up on art school albums. Imagine what he, what he <laughs> Look, would have I'll to say. I'll bring the show back for Ben K. If he wants to get on that show, <laughs> we'll talk about whatever he wants, okay? Haven't done an episode for a month and a half now, but hey, I still got access to that Red Circle, uh, Red Circle page. You better believe I can fire it up for Ben K. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting now because like, I know that... Like, the, the, that their certain attention to him around King of Gate time, because naturally everyone's like, oh, when is Ben K going to kind of kind of be back to being Ben K? And of course, we're like, you know, this is the plan. This is, Ben K is not going to win this thing. Ben K is not going to win this thing. But it seems like the, now that they're doing something with him, and I think it'll be interesting. I mean, they are willing to adapt social media bits into full-on storylines. I mean, that's how Ultimo has his current T-shirt. So... You know, it, it, I, I'm not opposed to seeing where this goes with Ben K, but it's it's also something that it's just like, I'm not counting on this guy to necessarily be here for the emotional gravitas, you know? No, I, I would not expect him to really be able to show any other emotion uh, other than anger. So for now, I will enjoy these social media pics. I'll slap a like on those, referee Nakagawa, and then I'll, I'll move on with my life, much like I want to do after watching this second tag match. Yeah, so the second tag match is Ultimo Dragon Yazushi Kanda versus Kai and Diamante. Kai got the one with the medial impact on Kanda in 11 minutes and 29 seconds. Uh, this was uh, the low end of what I expect for a Dragon Gate stuff. Like, no one was like botching anything. It just kind of, it was two, it was 12 minutes that felt like 24 minutes and just kind of was there. Yeah, it was certainly on the lesser side of what Ultimo and Diamante typically bring to the table, because I can normally count on them for at least one sort of tricked out Lucha sequence. And I don't really think that happened here. But speaking of social media, I didn't even I I didn't even think about bringing this up until now. Diamante has been throwing out some thirst traps on social media. Have you seen these, Mike? Yes, I have. I I mean, it's been rumored for a while that he is a hunk, and now we're just seeing evidence of it. I, I, for some reason, have not noticed just how muscular he is and how, like, big he is. And then he started posting stuff on Twitter, uh, and he's huge. 
I mean, he is jacked. He's like not Uha Nation big, but he's really, really big. Yeah, no, he's a big guy. Like, I mean, he's like shoot six foot two twenty. You know. Yeah, no, I it, it makes sense. I mean, there's there's a reason he's fallen into the role that he has. For so long, he was just the guy there to wrestle Ultimo, and you know he's passed that test with flying colors. Now we're seeing him, like we talked about last week, sort of foster some of these younger flyers. In particular, he and La Estrella have great chemistry, and you start to think about La Estrella's weaknesses. A guy that doesn't necessarily have the body control of the rest of this roster doesn't necessarily have the experience to adapt on the fly. You put him in the ring with this chiseled hunk like Diamante and all of a sudden he can do whatever he wants as he has this sturdy base to fly off of. And you see La Estrella improve whenever he's in the ring with Diamante. So it makes sense. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's just something that he is someone that like through his time in the promotion, like he was someone that, that I would dread seeing. And now I think he, I don't think he's one of the top 10 people in the promotion, but Top 20? I think he's probably top 20 on the roster. I think that's not... I don't, I don't think I'm telling stories out of school with that. No, I mean, I, you know, I, I, I would have a hard time breaking down the roster. Maybe we should have Maybe we should have done that. I know Bill Simmons and, and Ryan Rossillo did the top 40 players in the NBA on their podcast this week. We could have just ranked the entire Drangate roster from most talented to least talented. Uh, I, <laughs> at a certain point, it's going to be like how... Don't ask me to put certain people below like Don Fuji. Like I can't do that. Like that's just gonna that's just gonna break my little heart. I can't do that. No, no but Diamante is, and, and I've said this before, but he's one of the biggest testaments to the Dragon system because I really was not into him for the first probably six to eight months he was in the company. I mean, really, probably yeah. every, everything he did prior to the first COVID shutdown in March of last year. I wasn't really feeling, but he has proven him. I mean, look, I like him now. I mean, I am into the Diamante stuff, especially on the undercard when he gets his chance to do his, his tricked out Lucha stuff and sort of his more wackier moves that maybe wouldn't necessarily fit the tone of a current triangle gate match or a twin gate match, or just something with a lot of heat to it. He is a really fun undercard wrestler because he's someone that, you know, if he's not taking Hamrick bumps or the crazy monkey flip to the floor. He's always trying something new and doing something that sticks with me with the exception of this match here in which he did nothing. Well, support for open the voice gate is brought to you by manscape. Who is the best in men's below the waist grooming manscape offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technological developments, provide you with the best tools for your grooming experience. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. We have an exclusive offer for our listeners, 20% off and free shipping with our promo code OTVG at Manscaped. In case uh, I've complained about the humidity and everything recently, but let me tell you about one product that came in our package that I am over the moon for. And that is, I'm a big fan of the crop preserver because I like getting active. doesn't matter what day of the week it is, case and, and the temperature. I got to get my steps in. I got to walk pudge. We got to go do some exploring. And let me tell you, I, usually I would come back exploring, feeling like I just want to take a shower and go lay down and hate my life. But I'll tell you this, the crop preserver just, it, 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 it makes sure everything down there is all right. I'm not sweating. I'm not feeling gross. And, you know, I still want to take a shower, but I feel like I'm ready to go on with my day. The crop preserver's unreal. Now, look, obviously, 
I would recommend, if you're going to listen to Caselow, the young boy Caselow, get the perfect package 3.0. And I'll tell you why in just a second. But if you're like, ah, you know what? I have a razor. I have a trusty razor. I trust it down there. That's fine. You would be a fool, though. You would be a fool if you entered the summer months without this crop preserver. It lives up to the hype. It's every bit as ingenious as you would think it would be. I love it. I legitimately use it every day. It has become a part of my my skincare routine. It has become a part of my hygiene routine. I am not leaving my studio apartment with no air conditioning until I have applied the crop preserver. Now, Mike Spears, it's almost summer in Chicago. COVID restrictions have been lifted. Illinois hit phase five last week, which basically means Wrigley Field is at full capacity and you can actually go back to doing whatever you want. You just have to wear a mask on public transportation. Some people do, some people do not, but everything else is open. Uh, And when Illinois opens up, Case Low hits the hinge app. Let me tell you, I was going on some dates last week, Mike. I was going on so many dates last week, Mike, that I canceled a date with someone not necessarily because i was too busy but because she was kind of difficult in the planning process and then i sat on it for like 12 hours i was like you know what i i'm good here i didn't i didn't like the way this started i don't i don't see it getting better uh so i hit her with the uh hey man had something come up i'm so sorry but i went on some dates last week and before i went on those dates let me tell you mike i took the lawnmower 3.0 and i went to work because i too have been uh, using everything in my perfect package 3.0, but the lawnmower 3.0 in particular has everything I need to keep my boys trimmed, cut free and smelling nice down there. And Mike Spears, I had a pretty good week. Let me say so. Uh, this is the the date report uh, sponsored by Midbreath. Hopefully maybe one day is, is Midbreath still a thing or did they officially shut down? A mid-breath there technically is a thing, but it's part of a, uh, what's the, every time fitness, what's the purple gym brand? Oh, that's a, anytime, a lifetime maybe, what is the purple brand? I thought it was Planet Fitness. Uh, I thought it was Planet Fitness. Planet Fitness. Yeah, yeah. Uh I there's one man breath. There's one mid breath location, I think, in a Hiroshima area, uh, anytime fit. Well, let me close out this Manscaped ad real quick. Uh, obviously, you're going to want to get the Perfect Package 3.0. Everything we just talked about, plus boxer briefs that will keep your junk smelling fresh and feeling fresh all day in a travel shed bag to store all of your grooming goodies. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code. Is it OTVG? That's it, OTVG. At manscaped.com. Do that 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com with the promo code OTVG. Unlock your confidence like I did this weekend and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Mike Spears, you want to hear a little date report? Yeah, let's get the date recap here. I went out with the girl last week. Met her on hand. That's uh, become my my primary mode of meeting people at this point in my life. Uh, We met at a park on a Wednesday night because there was no dynamite this week. So I I found myself free on Wednesday night because of course I would still put pro professional wrestling in, in in front of a woman. I would not even question that. Uh, But we met at this park and I remember that afternoon, like I texted a friend. I was like, man, I don't know what I'm going to talk to this girl about. Like, I, I don't know really what she's into. And my friend texts me back. She's like, Oh, you'll be fine. You're just nervous. I was like, no, no, no. It's me saying this. I can talk to anybody. I kind of have a gift for the gab. I don't know what I'm going to talk to this girl about because she seemed real, 
like shy, maybe just quiet over our, our dating app messaging. And in person, I got to say, this date was basically like a GCW scramble because there were absolutely high spots throughout some big laughs there. Okay. She was throwing out a British accent talking about love Island UK. I popped huge for that. Uh, I made some eight mile jokes because she's from Michigan. Those didn't necessarily get over, but I'm, Hey, we got to swing for the fences. Okay. I was doing everything I could. Sometimes you just need to like get your reps in. You get your reps in. And look, this, this was a lesson learned. I was like, okay, maybe not everyone has the same appreciation for eight mile that you do. This is good to know in the future that these jokes might not get over, but there were some high spots here. But unfortunately, like every GCW scramble, there are a lot of lowlights. And and by the end of the night, it was forgettable. And we went our separate ways. And I remember thinking I was walking to the train. I was like, I am never going to hear from this woman again. Quite honestly, I'm okay with that. I didn't have the best time. And so far, uh, that has remained true a week later. I have not heard from this woman, nor do I intend to. That being said, went out on a date. On Saturday, got brunch with a very nice lady. And let's just say thank you to Manscaped for helping that date go very well. Batting 500. <laughs> You'd be in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> Batting 500. Look, I, I uh, rounded some bases, Mike. I was feeling pretty good. I feel pretty good on Saturday evening, let me tell you. I mean, I was I was immediately going to when you brought up Love Island. I was going to ask you, who are you? Are you a Kim? Are you a Chris? But we've completely now sped past that station. Well, look, we're, I have, we're way I have away no answer that. for you on Love Island. I asked her. <laughs> I think at one point, as I like, I'm not even a big movie guy. But I was like, what? Like, what movies do you like? She's like, I don't look. All I watch is trash TV, and I am specifically in love with Love Island. You can. I was like, all right, pitch. Like, I finally got her to talk about something because it was like a it. it I would just ask her a question and she would give me like the one line answer and then not. Oh yeah. It's it's not that I wanted necessarily to talk about myself. I just wanted conversational flow and she wasn't really providing me with that. And I was, Oh man, I was taking some hacks at the plate. I mean, I was really just looking for anything that was going to, to get her excited. And we hit on love Island UK. And I was like, you have the floor, go tell me about this. And that was the only time of the night where she looked like she was happy. I, I mean, Love Island is a tremendous piece of trash. So I I, I respect that. I respect that. Uh, no, God, it, it, it's something sometimes, especially with like the apps that like everything seems like it's OK. But as soon as you're in person, you start talking, you realize like, oh, OK, this is it right here. And th- that's when you that I understand you, you, you practicing the eight mile, you know, taking your reps there because, you know, sometimes. So it's a, and, and it's clear that both of you all are like, you know what? This is not happening. So, I mean, no harm, no foul at that point. Oh, God. Yeah. No, at this point, I because I've been on enough bad first dates to where I, I kind of know uh, simply from how we exit the date, what the future holds. And this was one where we literally like went separate ways down the street. I was like, this is the last time I'm ever going to see this person. This is kind of a freeing feeling. Uh, right before we started recording, I sent a, I sent a message to somebody that I'm talking to on hinge and it, I sent like a really boring message. I was not proud of what I sent. And of course I have gotten no responses. The only thing I've thought about as we're recording, this is like, if I could, if I could, if I had a time machine, Mike, the first thing I would go back and do is I would go to about six forty five central standard time, stop myself from sending this message and literally say anything else. Cause at this point, I have I have blown uh, whatever was going to happen there with just a a fucking boring 
no personality message and it's it's sitting in the back of my head but it's okay because like i said thank you to the friends at manscape we had a pretty good weekend sometimes that, that happens sometimes you you, you you you're like i have to send something i have to send something you send something and immediately you're like i could have thought of a million things yeah exactly i, yeah. I could have done anything else and it would have been fine but it's all about reps and that's what i've learned uh you know I, I i've been single for over two years now and my my last relationship i was in was was two years long so uh i've had a lot of reps and a lot of failure and if you're listening to this podcast it means you are probably also in the market to date someone just get reps just go for it and learn how to fail that's a chris gethard <laughs> Uh, theory is that you need to learn how to fail and i have failed for a lot of my life and it feels good mike it feels good when the good guys win one for a change you know yeah sadly the good guys did not win match theory case <laughs> as it was red of bb hulk and sp kento versus jason lee and dragon dia sp kento did the low blow inside cradle just under 10 minutes on dragon dia and you know, this is the, the the first match on the show that I went above three stars. I went three and a quarter. I thought this was a pretty solid tag match. In both the the most literal sense of just watching these two wrestle, but also I, I think it plays really well into the overall story of both wrestlers. I really like the chemistry that SB Kento and Dragon Daya have with one another. And I, I think it's interesting that SBK is is proving himself to be this really worthwhile base that can work with these flyers, whether it be a dragon kid or a dragon diet, considering that he's not exactly, we just talked about Diamante and how he's huge. SB Kento is not tall. He's, you know, he's thick, but he's not really incredibly muscular, but he seems to do his best work in this environment, mixing it up with these flyers, given that dragon diet is sort of the next generation dragon kid. And SB Kento, everything he's been doing with Dragon Kid over the past six or seven months. I, I focused on those two in this match, and I thought they had great chemistry with one another. Uh, so that's something that I would like to see as we progress forward as Masquerade matures a little bit. RED with whatever they're going to do this summer. And, and boy, it seems like they could have an eventful summer both in and out of Dragon Gate. I would like to see a little bit more focus on SBK and Dragon Diet together because I really liked what they did in this match. Yeah, and they through injury and through booking, they've kept these two pretty far apart, like noticeably apart. Like the fact that you brought up, like, hey, they have good chemistry. I'm like, yeah, they do have good chemistry. I wonder why we haven't seen it yet. And I like look back, and it's like, oh, Dia was out during all those insane masquerade versus RED matches, and then the SP Kento before that was a student, so they didn't really have matches yet. But no, it's. It, it, and it, it's it's important to know like now like okay this is two guys when you see them get get in the ring with each other even if it was like three or four minutes you're like okay there's something here you you, you. this isn't going to be one of the ones where we're just like surprisingly bad chemistry between these two and then they have to do a pay-per-view main event this one you know i think they've got something there and i thought that hulk and jason were solid in this as well i thought this was just as a if this was like match one or like match two i'll be like okay yeah the, the, the show's going going pretty well but as like the midpoint at three and a quarter that's almost like all right if i needed needed further uh if i need any further notice like close up the notebook just just enjoy the show yeah no i the the chemistry between 
Dragon Daya and Jason Lee as a tag team, as well as in the next match, Coach Minoru and Shun Skywalker. It's crazy to me that Masquerade has two really strong duos at their disposal, and you could probably throw Shun and, and Skywalker or Shun and Daya on the same team, and they would work well together. I'm sure Minoru and Lee as a two uh, a duo would be nice as well. But Masquerade, th- those core four guys they can just do so much. And I, and I really like that. And, and like I was saying about SBK and Drang, Dragon Daya, you know, I don't know if it's something that the fans in the building picked up on. I don't know if the fans in Japan even necessarily care about the Dragon Kid to Dragon Daya lineage in relation to SB Kento. But I know going forward, their interactions will have some level of, of intrigue and almost he- like built in heat with me because I am now buying into that story again, whether it's supposed to be canon or not, I'm into it. Yeah. And it's going to be a cool thing, you know, as I mean, SP Kento, God, I mean, he's only in his second year. <laughs> Just had, did, does that ever like flash to you with like a lot of these rookies that I'm like, Oh God, SP Kento is only 21 and he debuted in December 2019, I just had that hit me really hard of SB Kenta. Oh, it's uh, it's unbelievable, Mike. I mean, again, I think that's part of just because of what you and I like, not only in wrestling, but in sports when it comes to young prospects and what's coming next and what's the future. I understand why there are longtime Dragon Gate fans that have had uh, maybe not a malaise, but just some level of disconnect with the promotion over the past 18 months or so. But for I mean for you and I this is the greatest thing ever. There's a 21 year old that if tomorrow they were like you know what he's challenging for the Dreamgate, I would be like well there's a chance he could win the Dreamgate. That is mind blowing to me. That is incredible. And the fact that they have obviously you know SBK and then Kakuta and then Estrella who's obviously a work in progress, but I think he can get there. And Kamei who is never going to be the top dog, but seems like he's a guy that lives and breathes and embodies what Drangate is all about. And then you still have Sora Fujikawa who could come back at any moment. You still have Yoki Yoshioka who's who's doing whatever he's doing. God, it's incredible. And there's more and more as we're led to believe. Yes, oh my like, God. Like that's a- I, I, Kness was tweeting up a storm this weekend, and Kness was talking about just, uh, my understanding of the translation that I read was the the sheer amount of new trainees they have is very impressive. Which is something that I, I know that's always a talking point for us, but I always find so interesting is we're in, like, for lack of better terms, we're in, we're at the end of a current era, in Japanese wrestling, at least, like you had Rewa started in 2019, sure, but it it's kind of noticeable, like like that the, this era and generation shift is happening, and it's noticeable, like oh, Dragon Gate seems to be pretty ahead of it. I mean, by my account, and don't quote me on this, I'm just doing this like back the envelope. A dozen kids, if not more, maybe closer to two, one and a half to twenty kids in this roster, whereas a lot of the other men's promotions are struggling right now. I mean, when All Japan put out those two foremost uh, sumo wrestlers, like, I had to take a step back. I was like, when's the last time New Japan debuted anyone? Or Noah? Or or All Japan before this? And you look at Dragon Gate, and I mean, like, they have they, they have to find places to get all these kids on the show. So, like, it's an, it's an embarrassment of riches right now. Yeah, I mean, All Japan has you know no one knew that has caught my eye no one knew that has created any any sort of buzz in my bubble 
you know, has no, I mean, Noah's had no one new since what, 2007? I mean, I, you know, the, the Noah Dojo is one of the great failures in the history of wrestling. New Japan, at one point, it seemed like they were stocked heavy artillery for the next decade. And now their young lion system has certainly hit a point where they have lost their momentum. DDT is always going to have a fleet of young guys and they're going to do their DDT things. And I think that's great. It's never going to totally be for me, but I'm happy for them. They seem to have a lot of young talent. But, you know, again, we're approaching a Kobe World Main event where you've got KZ, who's in his mid 30s, and Shun Skywalker, who just turned 25. And if you go to any other promotion, it's, uh, you know, Jun Akiyama's been amazing in DDT. I have watched almost everything Akiyama's done there, and it's been awesome. But it's still Jun Akiyama. He still debuted in 1992. You had Muto and Noah, which was an embarrassment. Now you have Marafuji, who I like, and I still have a soft spot for Marafuji, but he is. I, I mean, Marafuji holding the GHC heavyweight title at this point, what's the Dragon Gate comp? Would it be like if BB Hulk won the Dreamgate championship right now? I mean, age and physical wise, I think Hulk would be the one that's had the constant injuries and is getting up there for it. I mean, honestly given like the age difference within the older generation, it might actually be if like Kness won the title, you know? Yeah. It's just, I, they're just old. Like Noah is just a promotion full of old men. And then, you know, new Japan at the very least, they're trying some new stuff on this tour. We talked extensively about Shingo last week. Shingo is not new to us, but is new in terms of being a top dog on new Japan. And also he's, I don't know if you realize this, Mike Shingo's only 38 years old. Yeah, that is no, sickening. He, that is unbelievable to think that this man hasn't hit 40. And I have no reason to believe that he won't have some, you know, Tenru-like post-prime career as well. Like, that's sickening to think about. Yeah, and it's something that, like, within, like, Dragon Gate, like, they they took a lot of hits in 2018. And they will continue to take hits, but... Seeing them being willing to be like, all right, yeah, Nuruki Doi is fine, and so is Yamato, but we need to make sure that, you know, five years from now, who knows what shape those two guys will be in. So we need to make sure that, you know, that we have a star in Kaido Ishida. You know, like it's kind of remarkable there to think about. Like the idea that this is the groundwork you do now so that the years that come afterwards are seamless. And I don't think anyone else is doing it to like this level that Dragon Gate does. No, because I think about all the hope that was there in 2016. And really, 2016, because that summer, you would have had Ben debut, you would have had Shun debut, Yuki Yoshioka, Hyo, and then obviously Katsumi Takashima, who did not work out, which is unfortunate, because I really liked the raw skills that he had. But that was at a time where the promotion was really hot, things felt big, and then you had all of these rookies, plus, you know, Ishida, Yamamura, Lindemann, Ata to some extent, T-Hawk to some extent. And this time period was like, God, they're just going to be unstoppable. And then that house of cards crumbled. I mean, you know, we've talked about it on the show. There's a reason not a ton of audio from that time period exists because I think we were just so out of it. I mean, I wasn't doing audio. I was still reviewing the shows for voicesofwrestling.com. But, you know, there's a, a two and a half year stretch there from 2017 through part of 2019 where I just simply wasn't doing a lot of Dragon Gate audio unless you specifically asked for me or if I was doing a show for Alan Forrell over on the torch because I, it wasn't lighting my world on fire to talk about because not only was it a, a down point for the promotion, but it was a down point 
that was directly inspired by this hope that was lost when Yamamura got hurt, and then when Lindemann and Shima and T-Hawk split, and then Ata didn't really work out, and then Ishida, it took him a long time, and then, you know, Shun, it looked like he was going to have a ceiling. Ben, it took him a little longer than we thought it might, and it was just this incredibly depressive time period, and by World 2019, with Ben K beating Pac, and on that undercard, KZ versus Shun Skywalker, just with a snap of the fingers, they turn it around. And for two years now, I don't think there's been a consistently better promotion, uh, certainly in Japan. I don't know if there's been a better promotion of wrestling. And I know it's obviously the two guys that host a Dragon Gate podcast saying that. But when you look at, you know, the great number of matches, which look, they're going to get beat by New Japan and by All Elite Wrestling just in terms of sheer volume of great matches. But you look at the memorable moments, Ben K versus Pac, KZ versus Pac, uh, Mochizuki versus Ben K, uh, the unit disbands match from this past year, Skywalker versus Shida, Skywalker versus Sakamoto. Those matches really registered with people. You look at the way they've elevated guys in a way that no other promotion has. And then you look at the talent that is still bubbling on the surface below. I don't think any promotion can match them when you look at those three things combined. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, "Ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value a complete view of all possible cards and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy slab packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're, you, you know what I mean? Like You know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun. And sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, ah, hey, look at some random cards or whatever. But if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards, it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs. And it ends up being, you know, almost nothing. You know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. You can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading. So you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling. And you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying... Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off again that's arena club.com slash vow net arena club.com slash vow net for 10 percent off your first purchase 
on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. And, and when you talk about people with like the talent bubbling below, the semi-made event is like a great example of it because you have Ata, who will get more into what's up in the wacky world of Ata right now. But like he's been he's been downcycled. Kota Minora. They know they have something in Kota Minora, and it's just waiting to see when's the right time there. And he's just tag teaming with the Dreamgate champion, Shin Skywalker, and Ada had Hyo on their side. And Hyo finally, you know, five years kind of found his thing too. And, you know, the, this, this semi-main event, it was my favorite match on the show, but it just was everything was played with, with the four guys exactly how you'd expect for this kind of show. Hyo figuring his shit out is so awesome. That, you know, again, I don't know how long this big brain stuff is going to last. I don't know how much you, how much more you can get out of the double count-out master, Hyo. But just the fact that he's been able to really carve out this weaselly undercard role for himself. I, I believe it was Chad Campbell who said he is essentially doing what Yano has done, but is actually funny and actually good at what he does, which I think is the perfect <laughs> comp for it. Like, it's awesome because we've always liked Hyo. There was a point in time where we were comparing Hyo to Michinoku Pro Era Shima. We thought that highly of him just because he moved around the ring in this really weird way and kind of had this charisma that, again, now he's figured it out. But at the time, it was like, oh, man, there's there's really something here. Like, this guy's just different. And then for years, it did not happen. And now he's figured his shit out. And I really like this match. Uh, if there was a summer adventure tag league this year, and I don't expect there to be, I would actually, let me be clear, I would be stunned if there was. But Skywalker and Menorah would be a fascinating team there. Yeah, it's something where, like, Menorah, like, you have like the idea that whoever's the Dreamgate champion in these summer adventure tag leagues, like whoever, unless it was like Doyoshi, it was one of them was Dreamgate champion. It's always whoever's with the Dreamgate champion kind of is along for the ride, and this might be the best example of of being along for the ride. And yeah, no, I Hyo is was such a frustrating person to be a fan of for such a long period of time because he showed that glimpse of greatness, and maybe it is a different greatness, but it's one that I'm just really enjoying and like you you say that he's going to eventually run out of ways to do double count outs they got me on this one i thought it was going to be a double count out in this match and they perfectly timed out the 18 and 19 and not having a count out here so maybe there's a lot of fuel in the uh, double ring out committee engine after all these years oh god yeah no i definitely think there's more they can get out of it i there will be some point where it, it will have to evolve into something else but no it it rocks and i i also given the disposition of the world main event with Skywalker and Casey, two guys who all things considered are baby faces. I mean, really n neither of them really dip into heel work unless they absolutely have to. Skywalker defended it against Ben K and was clearly the face of that. And then has, has rifled through some red guys. So he's only worked as a baby face during this title run. And Casey, again, we rarely see heel tendencies from him. I really like that in the bridge between King of Gate and then the build to this world main event that they've had Skywalker wrestling Hyo because it's something fresh. It's something that I can get into. And while I'm sure, you know, the plethora of natural vibes 
versus Masquerade multi-man matches that we're going to get en route to Kobe World are going to be incredibly exciting and really good matches. This is just something different that that keeps Skywalker fresh. This is an obstacle that Skywalker has not had to deal with. He had to get through Ada. He had to get through Yoshida. He had to get through Sakamoto. Those were all big bruising forces. Hyo is just a, just a little pest, and Skywalker is basically trying to flick him away and it's a great bridge into what will end up being the biggest match of Shun Skywalker's career. Yeah, yeah. And it's fine that this was something that they that they didn't need to do KZ build stuff. I mean, especially the main event going to be about natural vibes. It could be a back burner tonight. And, you know, I went I went three and three quarters because I had to look down and make sure I, I had a second. It's like, I really went three and three quarters this bit. Yeah, I did. This this was really like the ideal amount of just shenanigans and hard work here and the shenanigans didn't bring down the match and like a great finish and when i talk about a what's a really well-worked match usually i'm doing it tongue-in-cheek this was an incredibly well-worked match yeah i was at three and a half uh here so i i don't blame you for being a quarter star higher i think that's entirely fair and exactly one of those matches that just by the end of it it's like damn that's really satisfying that was a really well-worked match yeah and the main event was satisfying for another reason, because this was Ginky Horiguchi's homecoming match. He is Kunamoto's favorite son. It was high end of Yamato, Dragon Kid, Keisuke Akuta, and Katatora versus the natural vibes team of Ginky Horiguchi, KZ, Susumi Yokosuka, and King Shimizu. Ginky got the backslide on Okuda, which set up a Brave Gate challenge for 731. And before we get into this match, were you a little surprised that they did high end versus natural vibes here and not just like do the standard high... Uh, Babyface team versus R.E.D. for homecoming match. I, I remarked last week that I was surprised but delighted that they went in a different direction. And then seeing the direction that they went afterwards makes sense because we're going to get what sounds like one big final uh, uh, Genki Horiguchi match. Uh, he's not retiring, but this sounds like it could be his final real big pushed match. And I think it's great. Yeah, so... We have that. That answers the question for the Brave Gate now. Now the only belt that's not had its uh, title match decided yet was the Twin Gate, which, which by the way, no, no Kaido Ishida on the show either. So, hopefully, I, I, th- he's been on other stuff since then, hasn't he? Like he's not on the shelf. Is as I'm looking through results right my, now. My understanding is he's kind of MIA. I don't I don't think anybody knows what the deal with him is because he has okay. not he has not wrestled since the third in Cork and Hall, but publicly I have not seen anything, but he was noticeably not on Sambo Hall last week and did not make the trip uh to Horaguchi's hometown either. So I don't know where he's at, but I have not heard anything about him. But I do know that this was my match tonight. I was at three and three quarters on this. A lot of stuff that I liked here. It's a good reminder that Yamato and Shimizu, I, I love their chemistry. They had a King of Gate finals match in 2016 that I thought was excellent. And King Shimizu yeah. here, you know, again, I, people are going to drag their feet through the mud on the Shimizu thing because they are. I, I don't know if they're too stubborn to get it. I don't know what the deal is. King Shimizu is a win. And the fact that he had this real serious back and forth, this really hard-hitting interaction with Yamato, I thought was terrific. And then if you want hard-hitting and that's not enough, I was watching this match thinking, how have we not been blessed with a singles match between Akuda and Susumu Yokosuka yet? Because these two went in there and they started clubbing away at each other. 
And I was just a giant fan of that. And then that all leads to the finish where Akuda's, you know, nailing offense on Kinky Horiguchi. Horiguchi's on his last leg. And then he, out of nowhere, hits the backslide from heaven. Akuda kicks out right at three. They timed that very, very well. And Horiguchi uh, now on his way to a Brave Gate match at Kobe World. They had one singles match on July 5th of last year that was used as a vehicle to further along the Ishida Akuda storyline that Mike and I raved about all of last year. So this is going to be a big match. Horiguchi, I believe the only time he's wrestled uh, in a Brave Gate match at Kobe World was World 2008. It was him representing Real Hazard and MCKZ of World 1. And that would make my like if we were doing you know a, a dragon gate comp of just the best matches in history that one would make my bonus disc because it is about as fun of a three and three quarter star match as you can get yeah no that that match rocked like, like that was one of mckz's best matches before you know the heel turn and all of that like it like that was a that was a lot of fun there but yeah king shimsu's a star you know it like the second that that like during party anthem and the crowd now because they know it's going to happen has like you could hear the palpitation go right into him putting the sunglasses on and dancing he he busts out the alex wright stuff and the crowd goes crazy he's over like and he's he's keeping enough the edge there's enough big r in there just just hit fast forward for a minute and a half and get over yourself I agree. Look, it's a it's a fun gimmick because I I like the entrance. I think he is great there. It gives him life, and like I will continue to say, he's one shot put slam away from challenging for the Dreamgate belt, and I think that's tremendous. This was a real fun way to close the show. I like I said, I was at three and three quarters with this three and a half on the semi main. If you feel like watching stuff from this show, watch the last two matches and move on with your life. Yeah, yeah. There's not even like a random musical performance here here like this is this is like oh we gotta put something on the network while we're going to kunamoto for kinky swim coming let's do that but that is all that is going to be on the dragon gate network until the 26th so we will there will be some programming differences over the next few weeks y'all should probably have a feeling what that means going forward uh we still only have the three title matches for 731 we do not have anything yet for speed star final but case Ita had himself kind of a busy week. Last week it was about Shingo doing something interesting outside of Dragon Gate. Now it's Ata and Ata becoming friends again with Nasawa Rongai and Noah. Yeah, so Ata showed up on the June 13th, 2021 Noah show from the Noah TV studio. He wrestled uh, a six-man tag match where he was the surprise sixth man and he teamed with Akuda Hadaka and Nozawa Rongai against, and Mike, I know you know the Noah Jr. factions very well. Uh, he wrestled against Stinger, which consists of Hayata, Seki Yoshioka, and Yuya Susumu. Mike, what can you tell the folks about Yuya Susumu? Well, he, as I'm looking at Puro Love, he belongs to Freedoms. I can say that much. Yeah, that is about what that that is all I knew about him going in. I will say this for a guy that has worked primarily in freedoms and is now in this sleazy ass Noah Jr.'s division, I would be open to watching some more Yuya Susumu. Thought he was actually a nice little wrestler here. I know he wrestled a few times in Drangate in like 2008 and 2009. I don't know if any of that stuff made tape. If it did, I have not seen it. But I, I liked myself some Yuya Susumu here. Nice little wrestler. But what we know is that Ata's here. I, I would assume from this that 
he has some sort of affiliation with Nozawa. Now, again, if you're going to ask me to break down Noah Jr. booking patterns, you have come to the wrong place because I'm sure these guys have turned on each other and then rejoined with one another five times since we started this podcast. What I do know is that it appears that Ata is going to be sticking around. This is something that, you know, I, I don't know to what extent he will be, but I do know that he was trending on Twitter in Japan uh, after this match. I know he is in the Noah Jr. Rumble on the June 26th Noah show, and Noah's English announcer, Mark Pickering, uh, I, I can't find the tweet now, but at some point this past week was uh, getting annoyed at fans saying that Ata's appearance was a one-off and that they don't know what they're talking about and that he could be back many more times throughout the year. Yeah, it's something where, at least as someone that, like, I'm not going to pretend to know the ins and outs of Noah and how they are set up right now, but Dragon Gate, usually, like, Noah is probably, at this point, their longest turned re continuous relationship because ddt there's not much there anymore all japan well we saw what all japan did after susumu lost the title there's not much there so pretty much would have to be a no at this time and at least when ito was in mexico with t-hawk and ut yeah yeah nasawa was in mexico at that time and nasawa has a rep as someone who looks after people in mexico so. Yeah, no, the, the Ata nozawa partnership makes total sense. Given Ata's affinity for Mexico, Nozawa's affinity for Mexico, that pairing works. Uh, so, you know, good for Ata, because like we talked about heading into King of Gate, this is the least amount of focus that's been on him since probably 2017 in the booking. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it's wild. Uh, I, I will note real quick that speaking of the English announced team, it was the first time I had heard them on a Noah show and they knew who Ata was. They knew his qualifications. They seemed to kind of be familiar with his in-ring, but for a guy that was a mystery opponent, I don't know how much... Uh, Mark. It's Mark Pickering that I don't know the other guy's name that he does it with. Uh, it's too... I'm blanking on his name, and I apologize. Stuart something okay, or other, yeah, yeah. I, I They... Uh, I apologize. I should remember. The, My memory's they, bad. They knew enough for Ata's debut, and I don't know how much they're tipped off ahead of time. I don't know if they knew Ata was coming out or not, but they knew enough to to pass that test for me. They came across credible in describing what Ata had done, describing Ata's credibility, basically. And then they went out there, and they had the six-man tag match. That was fine. I don't really think it's essential viewing. Uh, we've talked extensively over the past few months about how if Jason Lee was imported into any junior division, he would immediately be the best junior. Well, I got news for you. One match into his Noah career, and Ata is far and away the most talented man in this juniors division. Uh, but this gives him a place to sleaze it up. And more importantly, and this is a talking point that I will steal straight from Alan Forel. I thought he hit this straight on the head uh, the moment after Ata debuted. My guess is we will see some Noah affiliation at Kobe World this year because that is right out of the Dragon Gate textbook. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. And Nosawa's done a lot of stuff in Dragon Gate. Yeah, too. no, I, look, if Nosawa's teaming with some RED faction, it wouldn't shock me at all. I really, it wouldn't shock me if we're getting some, and this is pure speculation, but some pairing of Eita Nozawa versus Mochizuki in Yoshida. Maybe they try to do an M's Alliance thing versus Nozawa's people. I don't know. Again, it's Noah. 
none of it makes sense. All I know is that Ata fits into this division pretty well. And if this gives him something to do, if this gives him a chance to do something a little bit more mainstream, I think that's great. Because like I said, one match in, he is the star of this division from a, a charisma standpoint, from an in-ring standpoint. No one in the juniors division is better than Ata. And it's something that for Ata, I mean, the, the, there's going to be a spotlight on the Dragon Gate uh, heel unit situation just until it happens. Like, the, it's not going to go away. Case and I are fixated on this. That it, R.E.D. at this point, that if we take uh, if we take Crazy Max out, it's up there now. I think the only other one that had a longest continuous run is Mad Blanky. You know, I mean, and it's kind of the same thing where you have to switch around to Doofixer as well. Like, R.E.D. is up there. But for Ata right now, having other things to do. I mean, Shingo was doing all that, all that stuff before he left uh, Dragon Gate as well. Now, I don't think Ata is leaving the company. It's worth saying that like, Shingo might have been the wrong person to bring up there. But Mochizuki, whenever he's not like a feature player, he goes does his thing. Maybe Ata is at that point of his career as well. I don't think Ata is Kobe-based at this time. So maybe if he's based in Tokyo, you know, that makes a lot of sense for Noah. If there's already the relationship there, Mochizuki already works there. Just spotlight noah for a while and, and and then just keep up your time wrestle with your buddy from mexico and then when things are ready to kind of move along and for his next big and for when it needs to be highlighted then you just pull the spotlight right towards him nothing changes nothing says a masao yoshino retirement show quite like nozawa finding his way onto the undercard <laughs> i mean now i mean Think about all the friends that need to be invited there. Nozawa has to be near the top of the list. You would think. And then, you know, Nozawa's plus one becomes a plus six, and he sneaks in Mil Mascaris and Dos Caris. Dos Caris can make his return to Kobe World. I was thinking about Dos Caris today uh, because Kobe World 2006, Shingo pops back into Japan. He was on excursion at the time. He pops back into Japan and wrestles Yoshie who I've never enjoyed, yeah. and they have a bad match. I know some people like it. I do not like that match. And then Hulk, BB Hulk, a young, handsome, spry BB Hulk, wrestles the old, rigid, broken-down Dos Karas on the undercard of that show. And I actually find that match to be kind of charming because Dos Karas goes for a tope suicida at some point, and it is not the dive that you see in wrestling now of like a flying shove. This was a classic old man Lucha Suicida and the crown of his head crashes so hard into the chin of BB Hulk and Gaiora has this beautiful slow motion replay of it where Hulk gets his shit rocked by this old ass luchador. And I have always had a soft spot for that match because of it. But I, uh, I hope we're not seeing any old luchadors in Kobe this year with the exception of the honorable old luchador that is Nosawa. I mean, it, it it's something that, hey, if if the whole entire Tokyo current time may, had to make an appearance to bid Masato Yoshino farewell, I, I'm okay with that, but let's just keep it to that. You know, just keep it to the Kobe world. I, I don't need to, I don't need you to Tokyo Carnival up my monthly Corkin shows. I, I, I don't think that that's speaking, I don't think I'm telling stories out of school and saying that. 
No, I mean, if I, I, I don't. I, if you're alluding to something, I don't know what you're alluding to, other than no, the fact that, no, that no. I, don't, I also don't want Nozawa's friends on Drangate Corkin Hall shows. That would be no, fucking no, awful. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. There was not. This was not a case. Stop me before I get in trouble. Thing. This is not. This is not one of those. No, this is just. I, I don't to want to watch Nozawa wrestle. <laughs> yeah. would like to yeah, be friends yeah. with him would love to see what doors nozawa could open for me uh if you're hearing this i take back everything i said but i i don't want to i don't want to watch you wrestle but if you team with Ata, it's much more palatable so i guess uh nozawa as you're listening to this i i think you found a permanent tag team partner let's do it oh god yeah i mean that you know Ata and nozawa could do some damage together that become a super sleazy tag team that could you know rule the yeah. ghc junior tag league i'm sure i don't know if that's happened this year or not who fucking knows with their booking uh but again look Ata and noah to put a bow on this it, it's a good addition to the noah roster in whatever capacity he's working he gives that division some credibility he obviously gets a chance to showcase just how good he can be and it freshens him up because, you know, we've we've been dealing with heel leader Ata for three or four years now. And it's not until very recently where your SB Kentos and your Hip Hop Kakutas and to some extent your Ashitas and your Sakamotos have become so talented that they've pushed Ata around and they've kind of bumped him off the top of the card. And now we see Ata in a new spot. He's always done great work outside of Drangate. I'm excited for him here. I hope this works out well. I hope he breathes life into this awful, awful division. You know what's a tag team division that could use Nosawa and Ata? There, there is a there is a tournament right now, though. It is a mixed team tournament, so maybe they need to wait until they just have like the normal men's tournament. But there is a tag team tournament that just finished actually a couple days ago. Case, are you ready to hear about this tournament? Is this a, is this a Noah or is this somewhere else? No, this is not Noah. Let me introduce you to the universe's best mixed tag team tournament held by Secret Base this weekend in Osaka's Okinawa Hall. They had a mixed mixed gender tag team tournament just out of nowhere that they call the universe's best. Okay, who are some of the names here? You got names for me? All right, so the four teams that at least made the semifinals, who knows how long this tournament could have been. Could have been eight teams, could have been 16, 32, four, probably four. Uh... Space Galaxy Warrior Andros and Ina versus Ultimate Spider Jr. and Melee. Idea and Haruka Aikawa versus Katsuyori Toy and Deborah K. So none of these names I've ever really heard before. You know, I, I mean, well, when I'm like looking at this, I'm like, oh yeah, I remember USJ. Like that, the this is what Seeker Base is up to. Uh, their main event was... Uh, Motosugu Shimizu, Minseho, and Skydo and Skyda Jr. winning a six-person tag. Uh, Minseho got the win, by the way. Okay, yeah, no, those those tag team names, other than Ultimate Spider Jr., I th- those are not X Dragon System guys, nor are they guys I'm familiar with. Not that Ultimate Ultimate Spider Jr. is he, he. Let me let me clarify this. Ultimate Spider Jr. is not an X Dragon System <laughs> let guy. Let me be clear. Uh, He's an Osaka pro trainee, actually, but the rest of them are not X-Drangate people, so I have no idea who any no. of those people are. So thank you, Mike, as we conclude this episode of Open the Voice Game for taking us through secret base results. I mean, it, did they have... Oh, look who was also in Basement Monster this week. Never mind. Speeding fast forward to this. Uh, yeah, that's something I'm not going to talk about on there. All right. So, Case, okay, so I think that's going to do it for this week's show, unless you have something else. No, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs>
<laughs> uh, I, we'll, we'll talk about it in a minute, but that'll do it for Open the Voice Gate. You can follow us on Twitter at Open Voice Gate. You can follow me at Fujihei in case, uh, underscore in your case. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next time with Open the Voice Gate. Take care. <laughs>